This morning's reading is taken from Psalm 131, 131, a song of a sense of David. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters, all things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth of your gospel. And I pray that we would hear your good news again uh, in a fresh way, in a new way this morning, Lord Jesus, as we look at your word together. Amen. So um, a quiz question for you to start off with. Uh, and um, the pri prize will be a bacon butty. Um, um, so... Uh, I like board games, and this is a quiz question. I asked this at the 8.45, and none of them had heard of it, so I, I, it may be a bit rubbish. Um, what board game has this? Harry, you're not allowed to answer because you were at the 8.45. What um, board game has this as its strapline? A minute to learn, a lifetime to master. We've got some hands up here. I think two people probably know it. It's one of those ones you either know or you don't, I think. A minute to learn, a lifetime to master. Go on, you two. It is Othello. Very good. Give him a round of applause. Fantastic. Um, now, um, Othello is a fantastic game, but it is literally a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. So the idea is basically that, that you can learn the rules very, very quickly. If you have the next slide, you'll see the starting position of a typical Othello game. And that's one of the rules. You have to start like that. And then if you've played the game, it's a great game. If you've played the game, you'll see that on the next slide, that the moves build like this. So you put a, a, a one color in line with another color, and all the opposite colors get turned over. And then the, the next color has a go, and so on, until the whole board is filled, and you see who's got the most of their color. It is very much a very simple game. It literally takes a minute to learn, because I've just explained the rules to you. But it does apparently, you can be very, very strategic and take years and years and years to learn how to play it properly and to be a master at the game of Othello. Now, I was thinking of this this week because um, as I was studying Psalm 131, I read that Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, had said this about um, this Psalm 131. He'd said, it's one of the shortest Psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. Or put in the same way as Othello, it only takes a minute to read this Psalm or even less, but it is a lifetime to master. It is a long, uh, it is a long message to learn. So, with that in mind, life isn't a game. We know life isn't a game. I'm going to try and keep this really, really simple this morning and really short. But I just want to talk about life, and I want to talk about Jesus, and I want to talk about the gospel. Because, in a way, it is just a minute to learn. I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about the problem. 
I want to talk about the solution, and I want to talk about the consequences. The problem, the solution, and the consequences. Here we go. First of all, the problem. Now, the psalmist in this Psalm 131 has apparently conquered this problem, or at least he's confident that he's doing well on it, because he declares this, verse 1, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. Pride, or haughtiness, which is essentially another word for pride, is the problem of the human condition. This is the problem that the human race faces. It is the problem of pride. Haughty sometimes means, if you have haughty eyes, it can mean that you look down on other people. You're competitive. You think you're better than them. You want to improve yourself at the cost of everyone else. That's what pride does. And it is a huge problem for humanity. Proverbs 21 verse 4 tells us the consequences of both haughty eyes and proud hearts. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, which are described as the unplowed field of the wicked, produce what? Sin. That's the problem. That is the problem. Out of a proud heart, comes sin. And one of the reasons why, or perhaps the reason why, is because pride leads us to think that we are God. It says this in Ezekiel uh, 28, and this is about someone specific, but I think it applies to everybody. In the pride of your heart, you say, I'm a God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you are a mere mortal and not a God, though you think you are as wise as a God. That's the problem. In our pride, we elevate ourselves to being gods. And if we elevate ourselves to be God, we crown ourselves king or queen of our lives, then we relegate God because there's no room for two gods in that position. You can't serve two masters, says Jesus. But it's even more serious than that, really, because the, it's not only that, that we, in our pride, we sin, but this puts us in direct opposition to God. It puts us in direct opposition to God. Psalm, uh, Psalm 18, verse 27 says this, You save the humble God, but you bring low those whose eyes are haughty. He will bring low those who are proud. And I sometimes think, I sometimes think we, sure none of you do this, but sometimes I think I do it myself, I trivialize my sin. And we think it's not that important. And we hear a message of grace, and we're going to talk about grace in a minute, so don't forget that, but we hear the message of grace and goodness and God's love, and we think, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when we do these things. But the Bible's quite clear. God opposes the proud, and he hates our sin. In fact, in uh, Proverbs 6, the first thing of a list of seven things that it says God hates are proud eyes. So our sin sets us up... <laughs> the heart go out. Our sin sets us up in direct opposition and contradiction to God's will for our lives. That is the problem. Now, I said that's the problem. That's the depressing bit. Now we begin to start a bit more positively because I said there's a solution. 
And you know you're not going to be surprised when you hear me tell you the solution. And this isn't from the psalm, but it makes a connection with the psalm. And this is the good news that there is for those who put their trust in Jesus. Because the solution to the pride and the mess and the sin is the cross of Jesus Christ. And I said I'm going to try and keep it simple this morning. I want to keep it simple. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that solves this problem. You see, we read about this in Philippians 2 verse 8, and you know this so well. Because Philippians 2 is fantastic. It talks about Jesus coming to the cross. But before it talks about the cross, it talks about pride. So that's why it links with this psalm. Let's start to read it. Uh, Philippians 2, beginning at verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't be proud or vain conceit. Don't be proud. But do the opposite. In humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests. Don't be proud. But each of you look to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. That's what the psalmist has been talking about. Don't be proud. Don't have haughty eyes. But look at Jesus. And he will give you the example. He will show you how to win the game of life. He will teach you the best moves because he modeled it. Let's read on. Next slide, please. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's the opposite of pride. Rather, he made himself nothing. He was not proud. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Amen? That's good news. If Jesus had been proud, if Jesus had been haughty, if Jesus had elevated himself, I don't think he would have made it to the cross. He wouldn't have made it to the cross. Because his pride and his humanity and his haughtiness would have got in the way. But because he was completely humble, he was able to say in the garden, God, I don't want to go to this cross. I don't want to drink from this cup. But not what I want, not my will, God, but your will be done. And in obedience, he made his way to the cross And on the cross, I know you know this, but sometimes we've got to believe this and hold this and remember it and be reminded. On the cross, he takes our pride and he takes that on himself and he bears the punishment. On the cross, he takes our sin, all the things we have done, and he takes it on his body in his own suffering so that we are free. Do you know what I said? I said earlier that the, it, you know it's a lifetime. To, it's a lifetime to master. Do you know it's not a, a lifetime to master? It's not a lifetime to master. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. There is one move to win the game, and that is believe. In Jesus. One move. 
You don't have to take a whole lifetime to master it. Yes, you have to take a lifetime to learn what it means not to be proud. You need to take a lifetime. I know this so well. You need to take a lifetime to learn not to be haughty. You need to battle your sin. You need to wrestle with your sin. It'll take you a lifetime. Anyone in their 80s here who's managed to conquer their sinning? Probably not. Definitely not. I've said this to you before, but I used to think that when I got to 40, I'd be like sin-free. <laughs> how wrong can you be? I think the older you get, the more you're aware of how sinful you are. But, but, but it, so you do take a lifetime playing the game, but to win the game, you just have to do one thing. Jesus, I believe. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the solution, and that's the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. Jesus came to die for my sins, to take my shame, to take my haughtiness, to take my mess and my failure and bear it on his body on the cross so that I can win the game of life. And I will not perish. I will not perish. I will have everlasting life. Praise God. Third thing. Third thing. I said there's a third thing. There's a consequence. That's the solution. I've already hinted at the consequence. The consequence is this, and we see this uh, in verse 2, kind of, in the psalm. I think this is slide 13. Please, Debs, I've jumped all over the place. I'm sorry. Um, verse 2, I have calmed and quieted myself, I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Now, we can't go too much into this, the symbolism of it. You can overplay the symbolism of this verse. I don't worry about what it really technically means about the age of a weaned child. What it simply means is it's a beautiful picture of a child who's been provided for, who's been nurtured, who's been fed, who 100% trusts his mother, who holds his mother's hand, who is at rest, who is calm, who is quiet, and is totally content because they are totally at peace despite their vulnerability with that mother-child relationship at that moment. It is a beautiful picture, and that is what the cross achieves. That is the consequence that whatever you're facing in life, and I'm not saying life is easy, it's not, but we can find a sense of peace and contentment as we hold the Father's hand because he has taken our pride and our sin and taken it to the cross and dealt with it. And so we can find peace and contentment because of the cross. We can be like a small child, a vulnerable, weak, helpless small child in his mother's arms. Colossians 1 verse 20 onward says this, God was pleased through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. Making peace. That's the consequence of what the cross, of winning the game. It means that whilst we're waiting for the next life to begin, we can have peace and contentment because we trust the Father who will provide for us and who has won everything for us, has won the game for us, for those who believe. The very last verse of this 
short psalm that does take less than a minute to read. Uh, Slide 17, please, Dev. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Those of us who have put their trust in Jesus, we can have 100% hope in the Lord, like the psalmist is encouraging Israel. We can have 100% hope because it's true that despite our mess and our failure and our pride, Jesus on the cross has won the game for us. He is our hope. He is our salvation. He is everything for us. Let's finish by having one final look at that verse from Psalm 18 that I showed before. And before, I only concentrated on the gray bits, but I want to end on the white bits. Because absolutely, God opposes us in our sin. He opposes the proud. He hates our sin. He hates our pride. He hates those whose eyes are haughty, and and he brings them down. But let's not remember that. Let's go home knowing this. He saves the humble. Those of us who in humility, after the example of Jesus, play the game of humility. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross can have hope because we've been saved. Because the promise is we will not perish. We win the game. We will inherit everlasting life. Let's stand. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not, um, I, I never see myself really as an evangelist because I think I'm, I think I'm, I, I, th- I think I'm, that's fine. I don't, don't worry. Some of you are going to be lovely afterwards. You go, oh, Mark, you are. Um, so, but um, I, I'm not an evangelist. I never had the gift of, of doing a talk and like 10 people were becoming Christians. But, but I was chatting to Ben Griffiths. Many of you know Ben Griffiths. And, and he's got a lot of wisdom. And he was saying sometimes that he, he challenged me. He said, sometimes we don't make the call enough. So I'm going to make the call this morning. And um, I, I'm going to basically uh, ask if there's anyone here who's never played the winning move. And what I've said and what the Bible has revealed to them has, has convicted you in your heart this morning. And you've never m- made the winning move. You've never taken the decision to believe in Jesus. This is your opportunity. And if there's someone here or two people here who have never done that and something about the word this morning has convicted you, or maybe through the songs we sang earlier, which kind of stirred up that whole theme, I want you to come forward. Or maybe you're at home. <laughs> That's an easy one, isn't it? Maybe you're at home watching online. There's loads of people online right now, I know. <laughs> anyone want to come forward? Is anyone ever never given their life to Jesus? Okay, if not, I, do you know what? If, if there's not, that's brilliant because it means everyone in here has, which is fantastic because we're all in. We've all won the game. Is there anyone here who's never given their life to Jesus? You've got you've to win the game sometime. It's just one winning move. <laughs>